see here. Something went away on my podcasting, so anchor, shame on them. I don't know what's going on. Okay, well, we'll continue anyway. Okay, sorry. Okay, question from Jando Rester. Jando Rester, okay. Any future plans for releasing BC branded turbo manifolds and downpipes? Yes. Yes, there are plans for that. So, from the Porsche to the Honda community to if we start expanding our realm with the Mazda community, you can definitely expect some very nice manifolds coming from here very soon. So, yes, answer is yes. We won't be able to do anything to the last quarter of this year, but it is coming by all means, you know? Okay, uh, another question from Hir- Hiroshi904. Hiroshi904. Would you ever build your own high-performance-oriented hybrid car in the future? A hybrid car in the future, high-performance, yes. But um, because of how cost-prohibitive these projects could be, it would be ideal if I partner with a manufacturer. So, it could be Porsche, it could be Mercedes-Benz, it could be Mazda, it could be Honda, it could be any of these, but yes. I see significant advantages in a combination of petrol and gasoline engines. Could be Acura. You never know. But yes, it's coming soon, you know? What ended up being the end plan on the MX-5? So Cam, the one I was driving this past weekend, I submitted back to the manufacturer, and we are in talks to do some great stuff. But as I mentioned earlier, we will have an opportunity where I'd love to build two cars. A mild one with nice bolt-ons for anyone to easily replicate, and then a proof concept with a wild. I'd like to do both, and no matter what, it will be fantastic. It's great, you know? Okay. Uh, question from Willie the Williest. Willie the Williest, yes. Wanting to build my 2.0 liter EcoBoost to do half mile drag. Okay. Would going dry sump oil system be beneficial? So, the great thing about dry sump system, the answer is yes, because it allows you to make more power, allows you to create even vacuum with a multi stage system to allow for better seal and lower tension and range, which help a ton with power as well. So much energy is consumed by the piston rings, which is amazing. Most people don't pay attention to that, but I do. Not only do I run low-tension rings in my dry sump systems, I run two ring setups, which is pretty interesting, because I understand the advantages of being able to remove that and gain more power. But I digress. So yes, you can. As a matter of fact, if you're interested in doing something crazy, I do have a spare engine here. Just give me a call. I can chat. I'll probably give it to you for little or nothing. Just let me know. I was looking at me crazy. Like, what did you say? Yes, I'll help you out with that. I have an engine here I'll be using, and just, you know, I'll give it to you for a very, very low cost, and you can just have fun with it, okay? So let me know. Okay, what else do we have, Ari? Question from Analog Rich. Analog Rich, that's a question. I'm in the market for a car to modify, and my two options are an S2000 okay. AP1 or a Cayman 987 or Ooh. 981F. Ooh. What's the highest mileage you would go up to for the used car? The S2K will be an NA, and the Porsche will be twin triples. Wow, it depends. That's a great question because you can determine health of a car or engine based on mileage. I've seen engines come here with 20,000 miles and they're beat up. I've seen engines come here with 6,000 miles and they're done. And I've seen Porsches come here with 80,000 miles and they still have tons of life. I've seen S2000 get boosted at 180,000 miles and still do well. So it depends. What I would look for is how well the car is maintained. Maintenance records, if possible, and doing a proper inspection. You can do a PPI at any dealership with the Porsches, and you can go to a reputable mechanic or shop. And if you're in the great LA area, I recommend many places to look into the health of your engine on the S2000, even going as far as an oil analysis to find out if you have any crazy contaminants in there. It can tell you quite a bit, you know? Um, Amy's asking, how much power loss do I see through the use of mechanical fuel pump? I've, some, I've seen, it depends on the design of the G-Rotor, and also the size of the cartridge. So I've seen everything from 8-wheel to 30, depending. And not only has to do with the pump itself and the pumping losses in it, 
It also has to do with how much pressure you're demanding of it. Because as you go up in pressure requirements, which help our atomization and power, it also draws more energy to do that. So it depends. I've seen from 8 to 30. To the wheel horsepower, which is great. You know? Buy it from grandmas. That's interesting. Composite bodies, you are out of control. I love it though. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, it's high as 30. It's crazy, you know? Any more for 991.3.8? Oh, so what I do recommend, exhaust, definitely intake, and you know that really cool, weird teeth, throttle body section, plenum? An upgrade with that helps tremendously as well. And the flash. The 991 3.8 is an awesome engine. There's so much opportunity, and the surface is very scratched. We need to get one of those so we can do a bunch of stuff with it. That engine has so much potential. It's fantastic. Yeah, Alfie, definitely. You're very good. I didn't want to mention the brand, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what else do we have, Ali? We're getting through them. Thank you, guys. We, I don't know how many minutes we... Oh, my God. It's almost 40 minutes. But we're getting through it. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Okay. Dave Batts. Dave Batts. Okay. He writes in, how involved do you get with calculations from an engineering design standpoint when uh, it comes to your engines and chassis upgrades? Okay. How much of your designs do you entrust to your vendors versus custom-built parts? So, that's a good question. Everything. Um, that being said, I go really deep into engineering concepts when it comes to anything designed for my engines and chassis. And I do, if it's something that we cannot create in-house, I do trust on my, some of my partners that are very good to make that come to, to fruition for us. Science is the cornerstone to any advancement for humans, especially when it comes to automotive propulsion and racing. It's something that is very important. And what I do here with Tech Tuesday is to be able to break down those concepts for everyone to understand easily. It's easier for me to stay at an engineering level and talk engineering shop all day. It's much easier. But it's a challenge for my peers to break that down for the regular guy who loves cars to understand. And that's why I do this. And when it comes to my partners, yes, even now, it's so weird to talk about that. Um, see this? This is a strange device, but it's a liquid-to-air intercooler that we're experimenting with. And my friends from Terminex put this, put this together. I just sent them a design, and they created it for me. And using some of their cores in-house. And we want to push this and see how far we can get with this. And if this works well, this is the beginning of the Cayman kit that we're talking about for liquid-to-air opportunity. We can still look in the, sit in the back of our car and take a bumper up. It looks really cool. But this is one of the things that we do. And a lot of engineering went into this liquid-to-air intercooler. And I don't even see what's going on here, but there's a lot, a lot of craziness going on here. And we love it. And we even did some CFT analysis on this to see how it will flow. And there are some compromises there, but still not enough to hurt us. Compromises that are acceptable, which always happens in engineering design. So that being said, we have great opportunities to continue to push the envelope. I can tell you one thing as an engineer that I would impart to my fellow engineers as well is please, I know we all went to school and we studied a lot, but a lot of the concepts we studied were restricted to what we knew about engineering at the time. And most of the books and texts are written based upon research that was done by engineers who had limited exposure to things technology, processes that exist today. So please continue to think out of the box. That's what I do. I think out of the box, look at engineering concepts as a guide, but not as a limitation factor, as a guide. And try and push the envelope to see how much further I can go. Everything from piston speeds to being able to you know, think about how air can be manipulated to our advantage. There are so many concepts there that we can expand on and do cool things. So don't give up. Keep at it. Keep experimenting. Let's make the world a better place. Okay. So, oh, Alfie asked, ITBs and turbos, advantages and disadvantages. Those are two different things. But with ITBs, are you talking about combining the ITBs and turbos? Or are you talking about ITBs and then turbos? Let me know, Alfie, because I'd love to be able to dig into that deeper. Your question, I need a little bit more information on that. Okay. 
Yes, sorry. Dom's Fair Lady wrote in, ever think about building an L28 ET for a Datsun? Ooh, no. Datsuns, I had very limited exposure <laughs> with Datsuns. So I've never thought of building that engine at all. Um, so, Alfie, ITVs and turbos. There are significant advantages with, with ITVs and turbos. You get more of an equal flow of air in each cylinder, which is great. Depending on the plan design, that has a huge advantage on that. You can also take advantage of what we see with natural aspiration, because we exist at one atmosphere, in a more, how should I say, amplified state. So, intake harmonics still play a role. When you think about catching that second, third harmonic for inertia supercharging, it still happens in a compressed environment. So, you can do a lot of that with ITBs, which is fantastic. The disadvantage is complexity and cost, because it takes more effort to design individual runners for each cylinder with individual butterflies, it also costs a lot more to do that. So that's the reason why. That's the main disadvantage with that, which is nice, you know. Um, still can headers. You got any for turbo setup? Not yet. Manifest desk tuning. Manifest tailing. We are going to be working on that a lot of part of the year, which is pretty nice, you know. Um, manifest defense said, tell Fabian with SUK he's going to get beat in a single <laughs> Hey, he's Fabian. No, he's cool. You know what? And if Fabian starts building that engine, he would destroy a lot of people. You know, you can, you can build an F-22 or F-20C well into the four digits, easily. So don't mess with Fabian too much. He may come out with some heat. He's crazy. He's crazy, I already said. Okay, yes. Um, Anthony1189 wrote in, Okay. is this the F-Series you built in the 2008 that was featured in the import tuner? I believe that was the power competition against the other engines. No, um, I didn't do it for import tuner. I did it for Super Street. But it, the competition, you're correct, but it was Super Street. Yeah, that's what was the engine. That indeed was. Yes, sorry. Okay. Uh, Jordan Hart. Jordan Hart. Do you ever delve into Frankenstein Motors? For example, Honda F-Block or oh, H-Head or something he, similar? Oh, man. No, I don't. So I'm trying not to get on a rant, but I'm not a huge advocate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big advocate of swapping heads onto different blocks. I don't do that. If I'm going to be an H-22, I've been an H-22. It's better for the market. It's what I do. I don't see any advantages of taking an H-22 with multiple oil galleys, putting an F-23 to gain a little bit of displacement, and then having to JB weld or weld up galleys and do things with gaskets, no. I'm an advocate of, with cars, keeping the same RTs together, and with engines, keeping the head that was designed for the engine on the block. I'm a big advocate of that. So I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of mixing and matching heads. I, I just don't see the advantage with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sikulka shenanigans. Okay. With your transition from Honda to Porsche, yes. have you thought about doing a 944 power build for us commoners that can afford another Porsche? Commoners? Well, Mr. Shenanigan. <laughs> First of all, I didn't transition. I expanded my portfolio. I love all cars. I'm not marquee specific, you know. Um, boxers, boxes, I swap boxes over. Engine boxes, gearboxes. Yeah, I play with gearboxes, but not with heads and blocks. Yeah, you do. He's right. I did, um, I'm a bit, of, a bit of an advocate when it comes to um, optimizing gearboxes with engines, but not heads and blocks. That is correct. Yeah, so, commoner, what is shenanigans? I'll tell you what. Um, I didn't transition. I expanded. I love all cars. So, if you come to my facility here, you see a Caterham, you'll see Porsches, you'll see um, Mercedes-Benzes, you see Hondas, you see Hyundais. I love everything automotive. You know, I really am a car person. I'm not marquee specific, and I just had a jolly old time recently with Mazda, so I really love it quite a bit. So that being said, um, I have not thought of the 944 platform. I just don't have that demand. Most of the demand that we get, even from the gentleman who joined us earlier, was for 911s. Now, 
As I mentioned earlier in our interaction today, it's very cost prohibitive to design things from scratch. Even if, especially since I want to create opportunities for everyone to enjoy. I'm, I'm not interested in creating one-off parts that only a few people can benefit from. I like creating parts that the masses can benefit from, good, bad, or indifferent. So that being said, I always need the help of a manufacturer. Hey, Shell, thanks for joining us. Oh, <clears throat> hello, Victus. So that being said, we always need the help of an OEM to make this happen. So if Porsche comes by and we start doing things with classic Porsche, trust me, I hear you. I'll be more than happy to design stuff for the 928, 944, and all those not-so-loved platforms, at least in the Porsche community. I think there's so much opportunity to road race, to drift, to have a lot of fun with those cars, even on the street, which is nice, you know? Um, so, Rich is a great asset. With rear differentials, which gear ratio is my favorite? It is, oh, that's a whole topic. That's a whole topic by itself on differentials. Because what you do with the car, whether you're mud pulling, mud bogging, road racing, drag racing, all plays a role. Tire size, gearing in the gearbox itself, too many variables. So, I don't have a specific ratio. I've done everything from as low, numerically low, <coughs> as 6 to 1. To numerically, obviously, actually gearing low, numerically high at 6 to 1, to numerically low, gearing high as 2.5 for some high top speed stuff. So Ari's getting bored of me here. She's like, <laughs> why are you not done here? You know? You got 10 more um, questions. Brendan, can I see myself getting involved with Rodeo Yes, I can. I have always been fascinated with Wankel engines. I love the simplicity of it, the lightweight. The ability for a lower center of gravity in the cars, and most people don't know the full potential of it. I wish I could help with that. And you know what? Mazda's coming up with some newer iterations of that, so I'm pretty excited to hopefully dabble in that quite a bit. It's pretty good, you know? Um, okay, Ali, what else do we have? Got a question? 10 more questions. Oh, yeah, like 11 minutes to go. Okay, AJ, let's try to see. Got an AJ question. Why do certain drag racers fill their engine block with cement and not run any coolant oh. in the engine? Is it to save weight or avoid head gasket blowing? So it's, I would say more the latter of preventing head gasket blowing. He's asking why do drag racers fill cement? It's a cost-effective way to reinforce the bottom end. Um, you can't run for extended periods of time because you have really strange warping issues going on there. But it's a very popular drag racing-ish um, uh, solution. And we did that years ago before the advent of, you know, to the sleeves. Um, so that being said, people do that to prevent cylinders from moving, to prevent a very, you know, undesirable e event of lack of head gasket sealing, and also to prevent the block from cracking or the steel from cracking as well. So, um, because I like my engines to last for a very long time, and I'm a huge advocate of being able to get improved cooling, because I understand the, value, the advantages of that, I tend to go more docker iron sleeving than cementing my blocks. So we did that once in the 90s, and I don't do that anymore, you know. Um, can I make a JDM Type R engine smog able in California? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, section walk. Section walk. Hey, Rayan. Best you. drift car mods. Ooh. Best drift. It's interesting to ask, like, something. Oh, I'm all about drifting mm -hmm. recently. I'm getting on to it. So first of all, I guess being able to brake properly at, at wheels. So using some kind of hydraulic brake system is one big mod that's a big, big gain advantage. It's a really big nice to have, almost a need to have. And steering angles, being able to modify your steering angles to give you more acute angles is something I feel is very important as well. And some power, you need some low end torque. 
to really get the vehicle to initiate low entropy helps tremendously. And those are the three things I feel are very important for a drift car to make, have some fun. John Rester wrote, okay. um, he's asking if this is a D16 and what the horsepower is. Okay, so the engine I put today is not a D16. As I mentioned earlier, it's an F22A engine. And that particular engine made in the mid-300s on regular unleaded fuel. In full race trim, it will look really much like that, but with a dry sum system, we are well into 450 to the wheels, which is pretty nice. Uh, e. Hoons writes, how many liters is this? That engine, I think it was 2.3 on that engine. Okay. Uh, Pyro Salo. Yes. Do you make any individual throttle bodies for the 1991 Honda Civic Si with the D16A6? <laughs> yes, we do. So, um... We're partnership with our friends from Kinsler. We do have access and have manufactured individual throttle bodies for the D-Series engine. I would tell you it's in the $2,100 range, so just keep that in mind. And then we also had a friend of ours, one of our customers, who did a smashing job in doing something very unique using Genvies. And he had a blast as well. Cost a little bit more than that, but it's absolutely gorgeous. So answer is yes and yes. We have access to something local and access to something overseas, but yes. Uh, Connors Autel. Okay. How much horsepower can a D16 Z6 stock sleeve take? Oh. Assuming the power added is a turbo. How much power have you seen? So it's asking how much power have I seen? How much can a Z6 engine take with stock sleeves? And put it this way, guys. I've seen it all. I've seen a Z6 hold 500 horsepower for a long time. A long, 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 long time. Without having challenges. And I've seen people crack sleeves at 300. So... It's a range. It depends on the health of the engine. My rule of thumb, if I'm going to go past 350 wheel, I sleep the block. That's my rule of thumb. So, or if you just, knowing turbo people, everyone wants to push the envelope, sleep your block and you're good. I think that's just one of two. Or maybe not. Is still recording? Still recording? Yeah. Look here. Oh, that's off there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's showing there, but it's off here. Hold on, guys. I have one technical thing to turn on with this. Yeah, that guy's dead. <laughs> okay. Okay, so my other camera battery just died because it's going past almost the hour that I committed to. But uh, I hope that helps, guys. hope that helps indeed, you know? Um, so I see... Hey, BC, deep question from Matters TRR. Do you feel that communication, as we know, may lose relevance in the future or even worse? The government may make it incredibly difficult or financially attainable to do? Fantastic question. Oh, my God. This is such a good question. How many do I have there? Four. Four more questions. Okay, I'm going to get to you as much. I'm going to give you the, the, the short answer to a really good question that I really want to go deep anyway. No. I don't see any challenges. As a matter of fact, right now, even with EV technology, there's a company in Silicon Valley that's doing a smashing job. We met with them last year. Doing a smashing job in creating a universal operating system. Think of it as a Microsoft um, background operating system. Think of it as a Windows for EV technology. And what that does as it becomes more absorbed by the OEMs and used as a base platform, it actually helps them tremendously with cutting costs as well. So I think they're going to have great success with it. It allows for modification of inverters, of how the processor designates power to each wheel. It is fantastic. In other words, we, as we have all-wheel drive EV cars, which can have immediate torque at 1 RPM, we have the capability of modifying the base system safely within parameters that are safe, much safer than air fuel ratios, what we have limitations with today. You can do a front-wheel drive burnout. 
or real dry burnout, or auto dry burnout, or a combination of the two. You can do so much cool stuff with it. So the advent of EV technology opens up the world of tuning to greater opportunities that we never had before, which is fantastic. While going faster, and companies like ours are finding creative ways to make it sound cool and have a soul, which is pretty exciting. So no, it won't be difficult. It'll be more embracing and more possible and even more exciting, which I'm very, very happy about. Okay. Okay, Stage HFCRX. Okay, Stage HFCRX, okay. Is this, so is this your infamous 700 plus horsepower single jingle? Oh no, the engine that I had that makes 700 horsepower, 724, was a turbocharged D-series. This is an NA setup from the F-series. Quite, quite different, the one I picked up today, you know? Oh, thank you so much, F-14, I appreciate the kind words. Have a great day as well, Perez. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Thumbs up to you as well, TRR. How are we doing now? So far? Three more. Three more. Okay, let's see if I can do three questions in six minutes. Okay, let's go. Okay, um, username, yes, I like Japan. Yes, I like Japan. I love seeing your power bills, but the mm -hmm. real question is, how do you put it on the ground so well? Do you make your own stuff there as well, or just aftermarket? I suck. I suck. That's the answer. I suck at putting my power to the ground. <laughs> my pleasure, TRR. I really do. I'm very good at putting power, you know, creating power. It's not a challenge for me. Um, with natural aspiration or force induction, I hone my teeth in natural aspiration. If you guys notice on my inside, my all-motor inside, I run 28-inch slicks because I'm not very good at putting power to the ground. Um, most of the time, for those of you who remember my drag race days, people will launch on me and I'll catch them in second gear and pass them and win. You guys all saw the recent show I did with Netflix with the van. I just laid rubber the whole quarter mile. I'm trying to address, but nowadays I am going to pay attention to using physics, multiple drivetrain opportunities, and AEM's very aggressive and advanced traction control system to my advantage. So I haven't perfected that yet, but you can expect to see some great things to come. Okay, what else do we have? Okay, um, Engine 17, okay. what platform is this on? That platform, it was, an, it was on an engine dyno. So we did not put it in a chassis. But the similar engine I have is in my Insight. Start off in my CRX and went into my 2006 Insight, which is great. Okay, question from Bowie GD3. Bowie GD3. What's the advantage and disadvantages of the new L15V engines with the integrated exhaust manifold? Okay. Is there more potential in the new design versus the old traditional exhaust manifold design? Okay, so it's talking about integrated exhaust manifolds and the potential for that. The manufacturers, you can see them starting to use integrated exhaust manifolds to have an easier way to light off contaminants in the catalytic converter. It makes the catalytic converter more efficient and is great. When it comes to power, for NA power, it doesn't lend itself to great modifications with a very nice custom tune header. But for turbochargers, it's a godsend. It's so much nice to use a short manifold like what our friends from... Um, uh, what's the company that's back east that we uh, send quite a few items to? I'm drawing a blank on because they'll kill me. Um, we send stuff to Patrick. Um, PRL. PRL, thank you. So, like our friends with PRL, they have these really cool manifolds, they're really shorty manifolds, which are really nice. So, that being said, it makes turbocharging way easier and way more fun. Very straightforward. But in terms of intake manifold design, it's open. In terms of intake design and ports, it's open. That's good opportunity, you know. My pleasure as 14, you can definitely count on me in doing that. Give an example, let's say the 2012 Civic, which was the 9th gen Civic. It comes with individual ports, which the intake flows better than anything out there in terms of K. But the exhaust, particularly the center ports, flow like a B series, 
the outer one and four centers flow even worse than that. So it doesn't lend itself to great NA power. You can have fun, but you're not going to break any crazy records doing that NA. But with a turbocharger, it is magical. Fantastic, you know? Thank you so much, Martinez. I appreciate the kind words, you know? Um, Alfie says, VRC has a question regarding tuning building the 2004 R32. I can't find this question. I'm trying to go down to find it. He's sad. Ask me again, sir, so I can try and get it before we leave. Um, how, are we doing oh, questions? Good. I'll look for okay. And we have two more. We have two more. Two more. I was going to look for it while I'm talking to you guys. Would it be possible to send me details of the engine in your old wagon? Sure, then, but that's easy. Just um, send us an email at sales.vcmo.com and I'll see if Eric can pull something up. You can also look up articles on Super Street that they put up, but I'll be more than happy to share that with you. Blessings to you, Inject Tuning. Thank you so much. Hello, Turbo. Did you find it? Yeah. Okay, so VR6 had a question, and we have probably a minute and a half or two. Can you just tell us your thoughts on the VR6 engine? I haven't played with it. Oh my god, I feel so bad. So VR6, I haven't played with that engine yet, so I don't have thoughts on it. I can only speak on things that I have experienced. I wish I had infinite knowledge, and I'm gaining it. I'm gaining a lot of knowledge, but I haven't played with that engine yet, so please forgive me. Best, cheapest all-motor setup on a budget. I don't like that cheap, I don't like budget. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The thing is, um, you know what they say, cheap, fast, reliable, choose two. So it can be cheap and fast, it won't be reliable. It can be cheap and reliable, it won't be fast. It can be fast and reliable, and it won't be cheap. So you can only choose two. So if you're thinking about an engine that can give you more bang for buck, that's NA, LS. <laughs> you can get them cheap, and then you can power, and a lot of people are putting them in everything. So. That's the way to go, you know? Um, I've seen a lot of write-ups on the wagon, but have all different specs, so I'd rather ask you. So let's see. That being said, let me use the last few minutes of this program to show my friend Aden Good. I have 1 minute 56 seconds. Let's see if I can write it off. Factory crankshaft, WPC coded. Factory bearings, standard size. I use BC motor rods. I use Tron pistons, 9.5 to 1. Factory um, head for Z6, but fully ported. BC motor level 3.6 cam, BC motor valve trains, springs and retainers, BC motor cam gear. The first turbo I used on that was a 65-65 turbo from Turbonetics. I used a Golden Eagle, Golden Eagle intake manifold. I used 1300cc um, injectors from my friends from um, uh, 54 Motorsports. I used um, an AEM pump with a booster pump from MSD. I used an AEM water methanol kit to help quite a bit as well. Um, I used a three and a half inch aluminum exhaust manif exhaust on it after the manifold. I had a stainless steel downpipe using vibrant hardware, and I also used a uh, 68 millimeter throttle body. I started with one brand and ended up going with BDL, which is very nice. So I think that really covers the gamut of that. So I hope that it helps quite a bit. GT350R, I love the wheels, offers a lot of performance for the bang for buck, has tons of potential. Um, Thank you so much, Shanagins. I appreciate the kind words. We'll be doing this from now on. I did good. I appreciate the kind words. Is there any easy to control both fuel and spark per cylinder? Yes, quite a few. So Dark with K, AM Infinity does that. You can do fuel and spark. And you can do it based upon load, RPM, you name it. It's pretty nice. Hello, Jerome. Good seeing you. I'm back in town. So guys, I have 24 seconds before I get kicked off of Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate that. I'll have it up here for another 24 hours. And I'll put up what I can on Radio Public and also our friends from iTunes and the rest on YouTube. Hope all is well, guys. Take care. Enjoy. Cheers. I have 15 seconds to spare. No way.